things you should know right off the bat. I've had four cups of coffee. I'm a little nervous. Did I mention my name's Chadi? Yeah. Oh, um, this is a podcast for imperfect people, and uh, you should know that uh, I cry in corners. True story. family, this next series of episodes of the podcast are going to be the messages I've been preaching uh, over the last uh, 2022, 2023 uh, here in my home church, Hope St. Pete. Uh, I pray that they bless you. I pray that they, I pray that they inspire you in your faith, grow you in your faith, and grow you in your feelings. Yep. Okay. Love you. Bye. If this is your first time here, hey. My name is Chadi. My husband and I pastor this incredible, I love you, thank you. Um, We pastor this incredible community, and we are closing out our Love Your Neighbor series. Love Your Neighbor. As I started to process what it really looked like to love your neighbor, the Lord reminded me of something kind of funny. I travel a lot for work, okay? And so um, uh, I was just on a plane this past week. I got home on Friday. I leave again today for another week. I'll be gone. It's just I'm always on a plane, it seems. And so I, a couple years ago, decided that my favorite place on a plane was in the exit row. I feel like the exit row gets a real bad rap. The exit row is the greatest seat on a plane. As a tall person, that means I have leg room. It also means nobody else wants to sit there. Because what I have learned sitting in the exit row is you have to verbally say yes to the lady that you would happily, if the plane goes down, help everybody first get off the plane. And I remember a couple of months ago, I was on a plane, and she's like, I'm going to need a verbal yes. And I was like, for what? She's like, just in case anything goes down, that you're good to do the thing. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, I've only been sitting here for the leg room. I'm only really here for the leg room. And it was so convicting Because I feel like so much as Christians, what we do is we say, love the Lord God with all your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength. That whole love your neighbor at yourself thing, that's different though. I'm really just here for the leg room. I'm really just here, uh, honestly, uh, because it's comfortable. I really don't want to help anybody else. And so this past week, I was sitting on the plane. And for some reason, the where I was sitting was kind of close to first class, right? And I've only sat in first class a couple times. The Lord keeps me out of first class because I change. I immediately, (laughs) it's home. I can tell the truth. I will never say this if I'm preaching at another church, but it's home. It's fine. So I'm like, I'm kind of close. Like when I'm sitting in first class, I, it's like, I give the people the peasant look, like have fun with that. You know, you're going, and the Lord's like, never again. So I don't really get put in first class a lot. I'm like, I'm always like two away from an upgrade. And the Lord's just kind of showing me like, stay where you stay in your lane. And so I was real close to first class, right? And so I'm watching this dude and he's there with his warm towel, you know, and his, you know, and his whatever drink he was drinking at eight o'clock in the morning. That was not orange juice. And I was just like, bro, it's 8am. What are you doing? And he's like, he's just living his best life in first class. And the Lord immediately said, Chadi, you know, first class shows your position. But that exit row shows your posture. And so when I, when I started to really look at what loving your neighbor looked like, and then I started breaking down in my mind what everybody else taught, man, it's all about living 
living a life like Jesus in the exit row. Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And you can't do that without serving people, you can't do that without seeing people, and you can't do that without knowing people. If we truly want to love our neighbor, we need to serve them, we need to see them, and we need to know them. Chadi, where'd you get that from? Well, that's what we've been preaching the last three weeks. Go to the YouTubes, watch it. They're awesome. And so before I jump into what this really looks like, how these three things enable us to be those people that sit in the exit row and do it well, I want to pray. Is that okay? Lord, we love you. Lord, let this revelation be your revelation. Let this time just be sacred, Lord. Show us what it truly looks like to love you and love our neighbor. We love you, Jesus. Amen. So I was flying at four in the morning. You know what you shouldn't do? Fly me anywhere at four in the morning. And I'm in my exit row, and um, I'm, I'm a little blind without my contacts or my glasses. And when I say a little blind, a lot of blind. And I took my glasses off because I'm like, I'm going to sleep. There's nobody here. This is great. I've got leg room. It's amazing. And it's 425 in the morning, and I try to, like, pull the window down. Like, because it's, it's up, and, like, I don't want to see the sun come up. You know what I mean? And then I realize I'm not pulling the window up. I'm pulling the door open. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, let that one sit in. Let that one just work itself out that I sit in exit rows all the time. So many of us are so tired. So many of us are on the plane at the wrong time. And we're opening up the exit row before it's time. And so I just want to say it's okay if you haven't loved your neighbor well. It's okay if you've been exhausted. It's okay if you've had some trauma. It's okay if you're dealing with some church hurt. It's okay. Thankfully, there was a plastic over the thing that wouldn't let me open it. And that plastic is the Holy Spirit. And my prayer today is that he guides us through what it truly looks like to love your neighbor. And so when I look at the passage in John 13, which we're going to live today, I really felt like what I wanted to teach was how Jesus truly showed love. And we find this in John 13, 1 through 17, when he washes his disciples' feet. Nothing says I love you like touching someone's feet. <sighs> so I have issues with smells, like real bad issues with smells. Like if I smell something bad, like God forbid I walk into a situation and it's smelly, I'm going to walk out. That's it. I'm not, I'm not going to help you out the exit row. I'm going to leave you there. Like I just got issues with smells. One time I was in Starbucks and there was a smelly guy and I felt really bad. He was smelly. He was Chris. He was really smelly. And so I was like, I don't know what to do. So I like, I caught myself doing this. You ever done this? Anyone? Anyone ever done this? No, I'm the only one. He catches me doing this, right? And I'm just like mortified. This is my life, guys. I have, I have like personal weirdo things that I do that the Lord is constantly showing me that I need people to keep me accountable. And when I read this, I thought, oh, no, I would not have done that, Jesus. I have issues with smells. And he said, no, you have issues with people. Because when you truly love people, you'll get in the dirt and the grime with them. And so we find Jesus in John 13. Before the Passover festival began, Jesus was keenly aware that his hour had come to depart from the world and return to the Father. From the beginning to end, Jesus' days were marked by his love for people. Say his love. Say it again, his love. 
before Jesus and his disciples gathered for dinner, the adversary filled Judas Iscariot's heart with the plans of deceit and betrayal. I want you to note that Jesus is about to wash this dude's feet, knowing full well he's about to betray him. He knows. He's aware. Jesus, knowing that he had come from God and was going away to God, stood up from dinner, removed his outer garments, and then wrapped himself in a towel, poured water in a basin, and began to wash the feet of the disciples, drying them with a towel. Simon Peter, dum-dum, he says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus is like, Peter, you don't realize what I am doing, but you will understand later. You will not wash my feet, now or ever. Jesus, if I don't wash you, you will have nothing to do with me. Then wash, (laughs) this weirdo, then wash all of me, but don't stop at my feet. Cleanse my hands and head as well. You ever been around that weirdo that's just like, just too far, man, too far, read the room. Listen, Jesus says, listen, anyone who has bathed and clean all over except for the feet, but I tell you this, not all of you are clean. He knew that the one had plans to betray him, which is why he said, not all of you are clean. And after washing their feet and picking up his garments, like a gangster, he reclined at the table again. Jesus, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and truly, that is who I am. So if your Lord and teacher washes your feet, then you should wash one another's feet. I am your example. Keep doing what I do tell you the truth. A servant is not greater than the master. Those who are sent are not greater than the one who sends them. If you know these things, and if you put them into practice, you will find happiness. How many people in here want to be happy? Like happy all the time. Like the type of happy that doesn't go nowhere. Like the type of happy that when trauma and storms come, you remain happy. It's funny because in all the Bible reading, I've done in my 40-something years of life, that is like pretty like, that's laid out pretty clearly. If you know these things, if you put them into practice, you will find happiness. Some of us can't or won't ever love our neighbor or be happy because we don't serve, see, or know, or love our neighbors. Some of you are like, I really wish Pastor Esteban would come up. He's a lot nicer than you. (laughs) I don't care. He is nicer than me. He's the nicer one out of all of us. You know how there's always that one crazy person in your marriage? It's okay. Jesus uses all of us. Some of us are really struggling to be happy, but the truth of the matter is, is we not only don't love God the way that we should, but we don't really love our neighbor either. It's not an either or, it's a both and. And so we find Jesus modeling what this looks like. And he does it first. I love it. In 13, it's the very beginning. It says that he was keenly aware. Oh, so gangster. He said Jesus was keenly aware that his hour had come to depart from this world and return to the Father. Loving your neighbor takes self-awareness. It takes self-awareness. I don't have situational awareness, but I have self-awareness. Situational awareness, um, I will have headphones on, and uh, Kaylee or Esteban will come into the room, and I have absolutely no idea. They could have taken everything from the room, and I would not have known it. I can't tell you how many mornings I wake up and someone scares me in the kitchen. I have zero situational awareness, but I am incredibly self-aware. Like, I know what I should be doing in the room. I just don't know what everybody else is doing in the room. 
And Jesus knew not only what he was doing, but he knew what everybody else was doing. And that's the level of self-awareness that we need in order to truly love our neighbor. Because when we're aware of God's plan, and we're aware of our purpose, I'm going to say it again, when we are aware of God's plan, and we're aware, what is God's plan? To restore humanity to its fullness. Sin came into the world, literally, and just blew everything up. Eve decided to be a vegan for five minutes. And when she did... Dumb. She's dumb. She's dumb. Poor Eve. I really, I'm going to write a book one day that's like, she, it's not her fault. It's not her fault. She made a bad life decision. It wasn't her fault. We've all made them. We've all had convos with snakes. But this one changed the world. Jesus was self-aware. He knew. He knew that there was a plan for restoration. And he knew. He knew that his purpose was to help restore. So it didn't matter what else was going on. He was still going to take off his robe. He was still going to bend down. He was still going to do all the things and love all the people, regardless of what the religious said, regardless of what dumb, dumb Peter said, regardless of what anyone said, he was still going to model servanthood because he understood there was a purpose for his life and a purpose for the world. I think so many times we get frustrated with people and we stop loving people because we forget what our job is supposed to be, which is love God and love people. And we forget that God's actually at work in a work that we can't see sometimes. God is so much bigger, better, badder than us. And it says in the word of God, oh, okay. I heard you, Jesus. It says in the word of God, (laughs) it says in the word of God that like, like his thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways right? So then why do we try to figure him out? Like, Lord, that's not a good truth, Lord. I just really, I'm just working through my truth, and I just really, if your truth can maybe align with my truth, then maybe I would be happy. No, man. He's the way and the truth. He's not the way and your truth in your life. He's the way and the truth. And so he goes and he models this level of love and servanthood, right? To, to the disciples, In this moment where, I'll be quite honest with you, you know what I'm not going to do if I'm about to be crucified? Love somebody's feet. Hey, if I could just really wash your feet, I'm about to be beaten, uh, um, unrecognizable, and have to die for your sins, and you're probably not going to care about it. Um, But I would really love to wash your feet. You know who's not going to do that? Lord's still dealing with my heart, guys. I just felt I should be truthful with you. How many times do we feel crucified in our life? How many times do we feel like there's been something that has been unfair and God asks us to love somebody and we're like, no, nah, not right now, Jesus. I don't know if you see the cross I'm carrying. And Jesus wanted us to see it. He wanted us to see that you could still love somebody when it's hard. You could still see that you could love somebody when they're unlovable. You can still love somebody when they don't care. I love the message version of it because it says love is not, when the love chapter in Corinthians 13 says, the message Bible calls it, it says love is not obsolete. And I'm like, it's not. And if we're truly loving people, dude, we're able to read the room. We're so self-aware about what we should be doing and what God is doing and his mission to restore that we're not worried about being humble. Loving your neighbor looks like humility looks like humility. We find Jesus. He takes off his robe. 
Now, this robe was, uh, uh, it signified his authority. It signified the fact that he was a rabbi. It was very significant. If there's another story in the Bible with the woman with the issue of blood and what she, and she presses through the crowd during the gospel stories and she touches his robe. And when she touches his robe, she's healed. And Jesus, this is, a, this is a, a piece of authority. Man, he walks into the room. People know that he's a rabbi. They know who he is. And he takes it off, puts on a towel, and bends down and starts washing their feet. There are so many of us that are so worried about our first-class life that we wouldn't even think about sitting in the exit row. You can't love well if you're not surrendered to God's plans and purposes and, you're not, and you can't love well if you just won't surrender those things in such a way that won't make you worried about your position or your title or what other people are going to say. Jesus didn't care what Peter was going to say. You think he didn't think Peter was going to say something? He wasn't worried about Judas being upset. Judas was always upset. You ever been around that person that's always upset, never happy, always offended? Judas. Judas, always offended. Homie was always offended. Always talking about money. You ever got that family member that's always just like, how much are you making? And you're like, dude, I don't discuss that. That's weird, Judas. It's true. You think Jesus didn't know? No, he had been dealing with these people nonstop. He had been like sleeping in the dirt with these people. He knew how dirty their feet were. He knew how dirty their heart was. And yet he took off his authority. He took off every single thing that made him the son of God, the king of kings and lord of lords. And he said, I want you to see that even though I am awesome and I am king, I will not be enough to get on my knees and wash your feet. (sighs) Chadi, what does that look like practically? It means the posture of our life is serving others. It means that we're generous. It means that we prepare the way for other people. He literally, he pours the water in the basin. He walks over and he starts cleaning their feet. There should be people in your life that you're uh, mentoring and loving and pushing farther than you. In your job, in your life. Some parents, it might be your kiddos. Actually, it is your kiddos. For others, it might be people in our job. It's your kiddos. You're doing a great job. I'm just saying, like, in your life, there should be people that you're pushing forward. There should be people that you're giving shoulders to and saying, I want you to go farther than me because legacy is not something that you, uh, what's it called, build. It's something that you leave. And Jesus was all about leaving a legacy. And he was humble enough to let go of his authority and say, I'm going to wash your feet. I am going to love you. I am going to model what this looks like. I'm going to model about how to be in a room and see what everyone else is doing. I'm going to be in the room and I'm going to show you what it looks like to prepare something for somebody. I'm going to show you what it looks like to get on your knees and love somebody even though it's uncomfortable. Do you think cleaning their feet was comfortable? No, man. They were like in really bad Birkenstocks walking around in like dirt and muck and nastiness and like their toes they had there were no pedicures back then (laughs) I went and got my nails done this past week and I walked by this lady who was getting her pedicure I don't know about you but I always apologize to the person doing my pedicure I'm just like I'm sorry I feel bad and I always think about this Jesus is like right right they walked everywhere their feet it was not cute and yet Jesus bowed and, and put water on their feet, and he cleaned their feet. How many people are in our lives that need us just to walk over, take off our position, and say, I see you, 
and I'll do whatever it is to get in the muck and mire with you and clean it up. Oh, no, Chadi, I'm too first class for that. Okay, well, first class don't get you to heaven. Just get you to first class. That was for somebody. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us. Jesus saw their struggle. He saw where they'd come from. And he set them up for a win. That's what humility does. If I had to define humility in a chotty version of the Bible, it would be like setting others up for a win. It's saying, I don't, I don't need to do this. You got it. How can I come around you? How can I come around you and love you and walk you through this? It might be that girl at work that you really just want to karate chop in the throat. Uh, you buy her lunch. You're just nice to her. You don't, know, you don't know what people's lives are at home. You don't know what people are dealing with. And you just choose to love them. That's your washing their feet. You know, your boss is just always saying something rude. Kind of, they're, they're kind of a Judas. They always got something to say. They're always offended. You know what I'm saying? They're always talking about how they don't make enough money or they're always a struggle. And you're just, you know what you do? You see them where they're at, wash their feet anyway. Well, Chadi, they don't deserve it. Well, you know what? We don't deserve what Jesus did. We don't deserve it either. I am a hot mess, as you can see. And yet Jesus loved me. I think about it all the time, how Jesus, when he's on the cross, there's another story in the Bible, he's on the cross and the guy next to him, he's, he's a sinner, he's a criminal, and Jesus was kind to him. And the other criminal's like, don't be kind to him. Jesus is surrounded by criminals, and he was still kind. Surrounded by people who didn't deserve it, still kind. Because he did it here when he was washing feet, of course he was going to do it on the cross. And he did it because he knew who he was. Loving your neighbor takes a firm identity. Jesus said, I am your example. Keep doing what I do. If your identity is not founded in God's plans and purposes, then my friends, you can't truly love your neighbor. If When you say, okay, you know that verbal yes that we were talking about? You got that lady comes over and she says, are you good with the exit row? And I'm like, look, Cindy, I'm super down. Yes. I've gotten real good at saying yes before she asks. I just look at her and I go, verbal yes. We gave Jesus a verbal yes. When we said that we would follow Jesus and we accepted him into our hearts and we said, yes, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Yes, Jesus, I am asking you to lead my life. We gave him a verbal yes. And when we gave him that verbal yes, we became heirs to the kingdom. We became royalty, sons and daughters of a living God, sons and daughters of the king. And guys, royalty has etiquette. There are certain things you can't do to like kings and queens and stuff. You can't just walk up and be like, yo, homie, what's up? You can't do that. You have to be dressed a certain way. You have to talk a certain way. There's a weird bow that you have to do. You can't like make eye contact or something. It's like there's a lot of weird little things you can't do. Well, Charlie, that's weird. That's tradition. That's dumb. That's dumb. Nah, man. When you're royalty, when you, believe, when you belong to God, they know it. When you belong to God and you walk into a room, people know you're different. You ever seen Prince William walk, Prince Harry and all them? It's just, they walk different. There's something about their countenance that's different. Because they know who they are. That might not be a great example because Harry just really didn't want to be prince. But whatever. It's not the point. point is... When Jesus, 
the thing is about the Bible is that the Bible was not written to us, but it was written for us, okay? And so when God references the kingdom in the Bible, he was talking to a bunch of people that were being led by kings and queens and leaders of that sort, okay? So it's good to understand the context of the Bible so that then we don't look at it through a Western perspective, but we look at it through a Jewish perspective. We look at it through a perspective of somebody who would have lived at that time, right? And so we find understanding and that God, he knew that he was the son of God. He knew he was the prince of peace. He knew that his dad, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, had literally said, let there be light. Light had not stopped. That's the God. That's who he was. So he reclined when he was done. And he said, do what I do. Can you live out a life for Jesus in such a way that when you're sitting at that exit row, you can look at people and say, do what I do? Or are you that Christian that's like, ooh, yeah, don't do what I do? I hope, I pray, that at the end of my days, I can say, that we can say as a family, that people encountered us and thought that we were different. My hope and my prayer for our church is that people encounter you and they go, those people are different. They don't, they don't seem all caught up in the stuff that everybody else is caught up in. The haze and the lights and the celebrity. Those people really seem to really care about who I was. Those weirdos say hi to each other for three and a half minutes every Sunday. It's awkward. I don't like it. One of the ways that I love our church is that we adjust for family. We make changes. We go with the flow. So we were supposed to launch groups this week. We had, there's been a little bit of a family emergency with someone in our church who we love very much. And so we've decided to put groups on pause for a week or two. Just so that family, we can come around the family. Guys, the reason we're able to do stuff like that is because of you. Because you live like this. Because you're good with taking off your robe and washing feet. I don't preach this message because you're not already doing this. I preach this message as a reminder to keep doing it. To keep saying yes in the exit rows of life. To get rest so you're not opening up exit rows on the middle of a 35,000 foot flight. You know? But to serve, to see, and to know. Because if we serve well, if we really truly see people, if we truly know people, we will find happiness. Happiness. Don't you want to find happiness? Don't you? Hey, Val, can you come and play a little bit as I close out? You know, the older I, I get, the more I look like my mom. Like, we're twins, me and my mom. She's this big and has, like, Targaryen hair. It's a Game of Thrones reference. Everybody... <laughs> Everyone just panicked. It was like, oh my God, the pastor just referenced Game of Thrones. I don't, I didn't watch it though. I just, I did. Anyway, so <sighs> I Wikipedia and I forwarded through a lot. I don't really know what happened in the first three seasons. Anyways, so all that to say that my mom and I look a lot alike. Like we're twinsies. I even have her cackle. It's a lot. Like you hear my mom laugh and I'm like, oh my God, I sound like that. It's crazy. The older I get, like, if you see my mom, there is no shock at all that I belong to her. 
I belong to her. I am her legacy. (laughs) Our glasses are even the same. (laughs) Our hair is the same. Our mannerisms are the same. We give the same kind of hugs. I never even realized that until recently. We hug the same. I was one of the last people to see my grandmother alive. And when I saw her last, she hugged me and like inhaled me. And my mom does the same thing. And I do the same thing. My hope and prayer is that when people encounter you, what they encounter is your Father in heaven. Just like everyone knows who my grandmother is, everybody knows who my mom is, that they would meet you and go, that one belongs to God. That one belongs to Jesus. Oof. Yeah, they run to the exit rows. What a bunch of weirdos. And they do it well. And they don't sit in the middle or in the aisle. They sit on the actual window. I want to be the first one. I want to be the first one out. The first one opening a door for people. The first one greeting people. The first one pouring that water to clean feet. I want to be the first one. Again, I'm not telling you this because you aren't already doing it. I'm telling you that you'll be encouraged to keep doing it. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening uh, to the podcast. I hope that this message inspired you and that you leave, um, I don't know, encouraged. Encouraged to continue to make Jesus famous in your world. And uh, yeah, just know I'm praying for you and I'm thankful for you. And uh, let's, um, I don't know, stay in touch. Send me a DM. Let me know how this message blessed you. And um, if you could be so kind, uh, leave me a review on the podcast. Uh, So whether it's on Apple or whether it's Spotify, I'd love to hear from you. All right, guys. uh, I'll talk to you later. Love you, weirdos.